ask you to take up your Bibles, take up your phones, if that is the one that you'll be using to read from in the Bible, and go with me to Romans chapter 12. We have started last week, and Kilton introduced us to the gifts of the Spirit and just had an, a very general but very thorough um, introduction for us to the gifts. And so this morning, we are diving into the first gift. So get ready um, and prepare yourself. So the beautiful thing about the gifts is just this. There are two words that I want you to remember. I hope that you'll be able to leave this morning with these two words in your heart. All right? Just two words. Maybe there'll be more words later, but at this stage, it's just going to be two. It's the word from. You got it? Say it with me. And the word for. Say it with me. Not for as in F-O-U-R. F-O without the U. From and for. So you and I, those of you here this morning that have a testimony in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Jesus, you committed your life to Him, you're saved, you know that you've got eternal hope in Him, eternal life is your destiny, therefore you have been saved from something, correct? I'm not talking about your mother-in-law and stuff like that, all right? It's not, you're saved from your sin, and she ain't that, all right? <laughs> you've been saved from something. From a past of whatever it was, just addiction and just pursuit of your own will and running after whatever thing it was that was so, so important to you. God had saved you from something, all right? But there's a comma, boom, after that. Because he also saved you for something else. And sometimes we get stuck on this. I'm saved from. <laughs> I'm not going to go to heaven, hell anymore. I'm going to go to heaven. Ooh, that's so cool. That's so amazing. I don't have this burden that I'm carrying every day of my past sins and my past history and my past life. God has saved me from that. Praise the Lord, I'm free. Amen. But I'm also free for something. I'm saved for something. And that often is the little bit of a misunderstanding we had as believers. We're just so thankful for what we saved from, but we're not also similarly thankful for what we saved for. No amen. Yes. And this is what we want to lead you and guide you and stir you into when we talk about the gifts. God has saved us from a life without Him. He saved us for a life with Him. He saved us from darkness and He saved us for the light, that we can enjoy the light. But in the light, there is this incredible privilege that we have that now He wants to use us. We are not used to be saved. We don't get saved because of our works. But once we are saved, we are in, invited into a lifestyle of works that don't save us, but I'm now working because I am saved. You get that? You're saved from stuff, but you're also saved for something. And the gift is an incredible expression of what we are saved for. So each one of you this morning, you have been gifted for God's glory. And so I hope that you understand that you are seated here this morning to be reminded of your responsibility that you have as a saved person. It's not just I come to the meeting and get, just get my ears a little bit tickled and like, oh, that was nice. <laughs> Lovely sermon. 
you know, what I'm saved from and what I'm saved for. No, there's a responsibility that comes upon you. Are you ready to pick up and, and be responsible with what God has saved you for? You all ready? Just check your neighbor. We'll ask them, are they ready for this? And if they're not, just raise their hand. Please just lift their hand. You don't have to raise your hand. Just raise their hand. All right? I see those hands are stiff now. They're like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. <laughs> all right. Okay, so all, all clear. All, all good on this. <laughs> Romans chapter 12. Ladies and gentlemen, as we dive into this beautiful, amazing, inspiring um, concept of what we are saved for, that is all about the gifts. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. Romans chapter 12, as we dive into this wonderful first gift called the gift of... Whoa. All right. It's the first one on the list. So let's go there. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read to you from verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters... By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. By the way, that's why we worship, is by giving of ourselves, not just coming to a meeting to sing. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Sometimes you, you feel as a preacher, you want to repeat certain things from the Bible, because they're just so incredibly powerful. You know? It's like this thing I want to say six times, seven times over and over again. You're like, okay, Vince, we hear you. But I think what we need to do is, okay, let's do it, you know. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I'm going to repeat this one again, <laughs> maybe for myself. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members. Good morning to all of many of you. And the members do not all have the same function. You look different, you function differently. You speak differently. You behave differently. You look differently. Just look around again. You'll notice that. Scripture is being fulfilled here this morning. <laughs> all right? They all look different. It says, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. The beauty of united, a united body. And individually members of one another. We belong. You may not know each other that well. You may have many people here this morning whose names you do not have a cooking clue who they are. <laughs> but you belong to one another as believers in Christ. Then it says, out of this oneness comes this beautiful topic called the gifts. That actually these gifts are there for a purpose. To add value to this oneness. Do you see? So hence, you coming to a gathering is a great start. But this is not the completion of it. You cannot, I cannot just be part of the body by being part of a meeting on a Sunday. My participation in being part of the body of Christ is the way in which the gift that God is upon me and is in me is used for the benefit of me. It's not. The gift upon you is there for the benefit of the body. 
to strengthen this body. It says, having gifts that differ, so each of us differ, but we also have different gifts. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, not according to the performance that we had accomplished. Oh, now God's given you that gift because you were so good in that. No, no, it's the grace of God that we are gifted. None of us can say, I really have managed. It's taken me years, but I feel I'm there. He's not gifted me because of all my faithfulness over the past years. Uh Uh-uh. It's a grace gift. Say with me, grace. All right? It says, so we've not received these things. Beautiful. Let's put them on the shelf. Let's look at him. Basically, looking at his shelf every day. Beautiful gift I've got, eh? It's amazing. But now the purpose of those gifts is let us use them. Four words. Let us use them. So hence, I'm taking you back to what we initially said this morning. You're here to be held responsible with what you will be hearing this morning. Maybe this is old news for many of you. So I've heard this before. Okay, the question is, are you using it? <laughs> it's like, what's your gift? I think I've got this gift. Are you using it? Not are you able to say you're using it, but are people around you saying that you are using it? That's the real test. It's not what I say. I feel like I'm really faithful with this gift. Hey, God. Now, now ask the people around you. So the moment you express that I feel gifted in something, just go around. Just go around. It says, let us use them. If, this is the first gift. That's why we're starting here. It says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith and service and teaching and exhortation and contributing or giving, leading, having mercy, we'll go into those in the weeks to come. But this morning, we're starting with this beautiful gift called the gift of prophecy. I want to say the the key element to this gift is not you or me. In a sense, it has nothing to do with us. I guess all the gifts are like that in any case. But the key element, ladies and gentlemen, is God. And actually, the first thing that we focus on, it starts with listening. The key element to the gift of prophecy is listening, is the ability to listen. And which is, by the way, a very strong gift that all of us have, isn't it? <laughs> the ability to listen. It's like, no, I mean, I'm really good at that. I mean, I, I, I really listen to when people talk. And praise the Lord, my wife is not in the meeting at the moment. Because whatever she says, I listen to everything she says. Thanks so much for laughing at that. I mean, you really just pulled the plug out of that confidence mode. Hey, thank you. <laughs> no, there, I, I often find myself, and please don't go and tell her this. Promise, just raise your right hand. None of you. That's your left hand. Is <laughs> that often I'm like, sorry, sorry, what was that again? She will know. She will like, so what did I just say? Or did you hear that? She's like, and none of the men around you struggle with that. Hey, Kelly. <laughs> oh, why are you laughing? <laughs> the point is that we have this tendency as people not to listen. I hope that it's not relevant right now at this very moment. 
that the gift of listening or the ability to listen is really strong amongst you. Say amen. Oh, it is coming through a little bit at least. <laughs> the point is, is, is the beautiful thing about our relationship with God is that God is speaking. And, and there's this beautiful verse in John 10, and it'll be up on your, on your notes. And you know what? These are the fundamentals, the 101 of Christianity, of being a follower of Jesus, is the ability to hear his voice. Why can we hear his voice? I'll tell you now why. Because it says in verse 22, John 10, verse 22, it's up there. At the time the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem, it was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. It's like almost as though he never told them that before. Problem wasn't him not saying it. Problem was mm, listening. So Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Verse 27 says, My sheep that are among me, they hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. What does it mean to be a sheep? It means that we have a shepherd that guides us. And as sheep, we sometimes are just completely ignorant, naive. And may I call it with this wonderful Greek word called stupid. That is a Greek word. Hey, Mr. Andrelakos. Absolutely. See, I've got my Greek um, tutor here. So we, we have this incredible ability to be sheep it doesn't take much effort but the beautiful blessing of being a sheep is that we can hear his voice because he wants to speak to us and none of us can ever enjoy the beauty of what it means to be used by God in terms of speaking to people the very truth of God unless we ourselves hear and hearing comes through various ways and that by the way, is another teaching in itself. How can we hear God? But I really believe that the gift of prophecy is very absent often amongst believers. Not firstly because we're not pursuing it. I, I just think it's because we're just not listening to God. We're hearing, but we're just not listening. We're just not saying, God, please continue to speak to me. And I, I want to just give you three reasons why it is so good to listen to God. And this comes in, in, in the light of inspiring us towards this beautiful gift called prophecy. The first thing is that God wants to reveal himself and his purposes to us. That's why God wants to speak. I mean, this in itself, if we unpack this point and we go through scripture and see how real it is that at various times God has spoken to do what? To reveal himself and his purposes to us. Because he doesn't want to keep us in suspense. He's a father. He wants to reveal more of himself to you so that you can fall in love with him more and more. And the more you are in love with someone, the more you can talk about that person, isn't it? Psalm 25 verse 14. I've got to just share this with you. Such a beautiful psalm that I found in just prepping for this. It says the following. In verse 14, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. 
and he makes known to them his covenant. <laughs> Friendship leads to God revealing something about him. The benefits of walking in covenant, not in a contractual agreement, but in covenant with our Father. Such a beautiful privilege and a blessing we have. So therefore, hence, we, we want to hear more. It's like, God, I want to turn my ears towards you more. We don't listen to his voice to be able to prophesy. We firstly listen because we want to know him. And out of knowing him, what you then share with people could be incredible inspiration and encouragement to them. But you can't share what you don't have or don't know, isn't it? So in our journey, along our journey with God and, and engaging him, we get to know more of him so that we can Learn more about him. The second thing that I believe is so incredibly important why we need to listen to him is because God wants to invite us to walk with him and find our identity in him. So no longer is it just information about God and how great he is and him revealing himself to him. He's saying, listen, I want to invite you into something. So when I speak, it is come. Come with me. And I believe that, I mean, those two, the, the verses that you'll have up here, it's just so incredibly indicative of that. Go to those verses for me, please. The first one is in Matthew 3, and we're not going to read this, but it, it's a story of Jesus having been baptized and, and the Father from heaven speaking and saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to Him. And so the Father would speak over Jesus and actually confirm identity. Not that Jesus did not have that. If, if Jesus was spoken about in that way, how much more do you and I not need to hear the Father speaking to us, giving us this invitation to come and inviting us into a, a walk with Him that gives us identity. My identity is not found in, in prophetic utterances. My identity is found in what the Father says about me so that when I speak, I will speak from that place of knowing who the Father is and what my identity in Him also is. There's this wonderful verse in John 17 that in Jesus' time of praying to the Father and for us even, He says this thing in verse 24. Father, I desire that they also future believers whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me. Why? Because you loved me before the foundation of the world. How's this about Jesus saying, I know this about my father, that he has loved me even before the foundation of the earth. That's why we say Jesus, by the way, if you've ever thought about Jesus being a created being, that's a lie. That's not true. Jesus is creator himself. He was, he was around when the world was created. And even here he says, before the foundation of the world, I knew this, that my father loves me. How many of you know that this morning? That your father loves you. That he cares about you. And you know what? Even before the foundation of the world, he knew about you. And he started loving you then already. That's incredible. It's too much for us to comprehend. So that in itself this morning should give us this incredible identity that I am loved. That when I come to people and I want to encourage them with just words of encouragement, 
I'm doing it from the premise, I know that I am loved. And this is not becoming my identity, what I do. But my identity is found in my Father. Beautiful, beautiful thing. The third reason why we need to, the third reason why we need to listen to Him is that in this, God wants to include us in His work. So He calls us as Jesus would do. And He spoke to these disciples in Matthew 4 verse 19. He says, come, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. So this, the, this incredible voice that we hear from heaven is a voice that calls us into a walk with Him and into a work with Him that we say from, but we also say for. And so when we stop and we consider the possibility of being used by God in the prophetic, you're going to know it starts by you and I listening. And this is just a general thing for all of us. You and I need to listen. It's, it's a challenge. Because we have so many voices around us that are constantly speaking to us, trying to get our attention. We've got to listen more to God. We cannot give something that we don't have. So we have to live in the revelation of who God is so that we can share the revelation of God with people. And that's not even necessarily prophetic. That's just being a mouthpiece and a, a voice that is available to tell people about how great our God is. question is, do you know what God thinks about you? Do you know? Because that will come from listening. You listen to what the Word of God says. You listen to what people encourage you with. So do you this morning know what God thinks about you? And does that which you are listening to about what God says about you, has that and is that becoming the very foundation of who you believe you are? Because if it's not, then what we believe about ourselves will be the very thing that we also believe about others. And if God wants to use us in, in encouraging people and edifying them, how will we be able to do that effectively? We don't believe what God says about us and about Him. We've got to come to the very basic thing again about listening to what God says about Himself, about us, so that that will become the very reason or the very um, basis foundation of what we use to speak to people the second question and by the way this morning we do have limited time some of you don't say amen now because it's not good it's not appropriate no <laughs> we do have limited time in presenting this if we talk about the prophetic there's so much more we're going to just introduce you to it and and the notes will be available through our our um, broadcast medium on tuesdays where we take what he has shared on a Sunday and, and give it out to you so that you can study it for your own time. The second question, the second thing I want to focus on is what is prophecy? What is prophecy? Um, and hence, there will be some teaching this morning, but there's also preaching involved where we want to stir you towards understanding that God wants to use us. Prophecy, according to the Bible, includes two things, foretelling and foretelling. Two words, foretelling and foretelling. What does it really mean? Forthtelling is responding to a God-prompted application of truth and speaking forth God's word in a given situation. So we bring something that's in our heart, like, like Simon did this morning. There's a forthtelling moment. 
He didn't foretell and say, oh, this is going to happen and so-and-so will take place this coming. There's a foretelling thing. And I think most of us are called to do that, to be foretellers of God's incredible truth and of His grace. And when you, for instance, just agree and say, God, I know that, that even in this week, I will not have to fear. When you speak to somebody and say, don't worry because God is in control, that's foretelling. That's a truth that you were sharing with somebody. And, and, and the implication of that could be that the person is encouraged. Should be. Foretelling is making predictions about the future. And I think this is where sometimes the prophetic gift has actually been abused. And once it's been abused, we start neglecting it. We're like, no, I don't want to go there because some of these guys are like foretelling and look at what's happened, nothing of what they said. And some of what they have said has actually not even been remotely true. So what we do is we throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't want this part of my life. And so we, we want to try to make sure that as believers, we, we, do, we use the gift in the right way. And we'll look at how that can be done. So prophecy is simply speaking out that which is on the heart and mind of God by the Holy Spirit. And the channel of that is God's people. You know what? The church of Jesus was birthed into this. <laughs> and I loved it. I mean, Clive didn't know what my, my notes will be. But when he shared about that thing, that the church of Jesus, when it started, there was this reminder from the prophet Joel in the Old Testament that he spoke that in the last days, God's Spirit will be poured out on sons and daughters and on, on old people and old men particularly there and maids and maid servants and, and God will enable them to operate in a certain way. And now those last days have come. There are some people within the Christian world that say that, you know, those gifts had come to an end when the church was planted and started. We don't longer have those gifts. Prophetic, the voice gifts or the utterance gifts like the gift of prophecy and the gift of speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues and word of knowledge, word of wisdom. People, many people say, no, no, those things have ceased. I don't believe that because when you read Acts chapter 2 and you see the prophet of Peter standing up and saying, this is what was promised. This is what was promised. It says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit and upon all of you, And you will start doing things and, and speaking things that, that are released by the Lord, Holy Spirit upon you. And this is what will happen. Now go with me to 1 Corinthians 13 quickly, would you? Boy, oh boy, why is this clock just being so fast this morning? I've got to just slow it down. If I pause it, does that mean that we are pausing generally? Everybody is also pausing? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, Paul is speaking here, and, and sometimes what people who believe that the gifts have come to an end, use this. Verse 8, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. It says, love never ends. Amen? As for prophecies, they will pass away. Woo. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Full stop, many people say. Okay, that's it. Proved my point. These gifts are no longer in operation. They have passed away. But, verse 9 says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. How many of you know that the perfect has not come yet? Some of you that are unmarried think, Ah, he's coming. I know he's coming. No, it's not a he, all right? 
It's like somebody else. The perfect order, the perfect way that Jesus will introduce for us. That has not come yet. Only when that comes, the partial, which is prophecy, will pass away. Only then. Until then, these gifts are still in operation. And we should encourage one another towards it. They will not cease until the perfect has come. And, and I've, I could share with you testimony after testimony of the beauty of what prophetic words have meant to me in my life. Where people who had known me and, and not known me even had shared words of incredible inspiration. And most of the time, by the way, prophecy is not revelation, it's confirmation. It's like, wow, I've been toiling around that idea. And somebody comes and they, they share a word with me and it's confirmation of what God had already prepared me for. I don't think that we should be, oh, whoa, that's new. If it's really new, then share it to somebody else and say, I don't know about this. What do you think? But most of the time, prophecy is confirmation. It's not new revelation. I mean, it could be new revelation about God for you. That's wonderful. But not my life and, you know, revelation like leave your wife and God says you can marry somebody else. That's rubbish. That's not prophetic. That's pathetic. All right. The point is that we have seen so much of a counterfeit in this regard that, that actually we started fearing the, the real thing. Why is there a counterfeit in life? Because there's something that's real. It's like counterfeit money. How do you call it counterfeit? Because it's not the real thing, but there is a real thing, isn't it? It's like whatever it may be that is a counterfeit. We see a lot of those things from the big country where the sea come. <laughs> it's like, ah, those Xinjiang things, they're not the real thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're a counterfeit. But we buy them and we get along with them. But when it comes to prophetic ministry, we often see the counterfeit because the devil can only repeat what has already been done or try to. He cannot bring up something new. He's not a creator. And so we've seen that the Bible warns us against these counterfeits. And in our world today, there are many of those counterfeits still around. Divination, fortune telling, inquiring of demons and other occultic practices. Those are counterfeits, folk. They are not the real thing. The danger, though, is that in our world, when we go to the real one, and the real one doesn't answer us according to how we want him to answer us, we go look for a counterfeit that will answer us according to what we want to hear. Isn't it true? And sometimes people even pay money for that. A huge amount for the counterfeit. Well, the real is available in this body. Not just this King City Church, but amongst us. When we listen to God, when we look at His Word, it's available. You don't have to go run after San Gomas and people. Come on. We don't have to go to people that appear to know by the tarot cards and by the Ouija board and they can tell you what you should be doing and what kind of a person you should marry and all that rubbish. We have the real thing. And with all due respect, he's not a thing, he's that person. We have him available, wanting to speak to us. That's why I go back to just the first point. We're going to know that it starts by listening to God. Not by listening to people, first of all. And please, 
within the body of Christ, even in this nation, I speak to a lot of pastors. And I hear stories of how people, they want to hear from God, doesn't work, I will go. We'll go somewhere else. God warns us about that very clearly. So what is the purpose of prophecy? Why do we prophesy? I want to just give you these things in, in quick succession. First of all, it's to glorify God. It's not to bring honor to man. It's not to build anything for man. It's to glorify God. Why do we speak? Why do we do forthtelling? Why do we talk about the incredible goodness of God to people? It's about bringing glory to God. It is about Him. It's not about man. And when prophetic ministry or prophetic gift is used to actually elevate man, you know that there's something wrong. If God is not on it, after hearing what a person said, and you walk away thinking, you know, that guy's amazing. And we've got to test our own hearts also from being impressed with man. Or maybe man wanted us to be impressed with him or her. So the prophetic gift is not there for man's honor. It's for God's glory. The book of Revelation is a beautiful example of this. Where it speaks into the life of the church and it, and it glorified God. And, and even that, God, there's, there's, there's correction that comes. You look at. Those letters written to the Ephesian church. The second thing, uh, it says in, in 1 Corinthians 14, I've got to take you there. We were in 1 Corinthians 13, so just stay close to that chapter. It is to edify people. It is to edify people. In 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 to 3, it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. By the way, that's the only gift that is really encourage strongly. Why? Because God has such a desire to speak to us, to impart His will and His heart to us. It says, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. The speaking in tongues is glorifying God. For no one understands Him, but He utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, edifying, encouragement, and consolation. When you look at these Greek words, the word okodome, it's really to build up. It's the act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian walk. So when you prophesy, that's what you've got to do. You've got to promote another person's walk. How do we do that simply? Just pray. God, I was just thinking about this person this morning. And if there's anything in your heart for them, please share it with me. And maybe a vision comes up and maybe a thought, maybe a verse in the scripture. In the Bible comes up and you share that with that person. And that person is experiencing oikodome, which is really just being built up in their Christian walk. Very simple. Very simple to do that. The second reason why we um, prophesy is to encourage people. And the other word is paraklesis, which is really mean to have a persuasive discourse. A persuasive discourse with somebody. Trying to persuade you otherwise. And so when you, for instance, sit with somebody and, and you're just talking to them and you want to persuade them to trust in the Lord, there's an element of the prophetic gift that's operating in your life at that moment. You're trying to just paraclesis them, encourage them. And the last one is for comfort. And here the word is, is paramuthia, 
which really means to calm and console someone. So again, some of you are prophets and you don't even know it. <laughs> By just calming people and consoling them with the word of God. To bring glory to him, not to bring honor to yourself. Then we're going to ask this question as we hasten on. Who then can prophesy? Because now we're talking to this whole audience here this morning. And maybe there will be five of you that walk out here think, yeah, I can. But let me just help you understand that it's a wide relevance. The first one is the Bible gives us three expressions of who can prophesy in this prophetic gift. The first one is found in Ephesians 4. And we'll go into the detail of this one uh, once we've gone through these initial gifts. And that's the office of a prophet where a prophetic gift is upon an individual and actually for this purpose, it says this in Ephesians 4, to, to equip the body with that same gift, the fivefold ministry, prophet, pastor, evangelist, um, shepherd, uh, pastor, and teacher, apostle, pastor, pa apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or pastor, and a teacher gift. So the prophetic person carries like an an official, not an official, but a, a recognized gift upon his or her life. And the way that we see that is that they are helping others to also hear God better and operate in this gift. The second expression is what we found here in Romans 12 that we read early on, is that the gift of prophecy is on some. They do not operate in this office, as we see in Ephesians, but they have this incredible ability just to hear God and encourage people regularly. And so that we see is a gift in Romans 12 and also in 1 Corinthians 12. Then there's another one that comes up. The third. It's the word A-double-L, -L, which spells all. Who does that include? All. Ha! So that's you. All right. So there are three expressions. Office of a prophet, the gift of, a, of, the, of prophecy, and now it says Paul writing, he says, I want all of you. If you read, I mean, these are wonderful verses to go through. 1 Corinthians, Acts 2 is that one that, that I quoted earlier on where, where God was using the prof, prophet Joel in the Old Testament to say, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all. And then in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, Paul is writing to a certain group of people. And that's the audience that he uses these words and Chapter 14, I had to just show you that the audience is all. And in chapter 14, verses 1, he says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gift, especially that you may pro Who's the you? Is the whole church that he's speaking to in 1 to 2. So it's not one person or a few. He's talking to the whole church. And then in verse 5, he says, Now I want you, you. All to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. So Paul is saying, hey, guys, I want all of you to be included in this gift. Such a beautiful thing. I want to just say to you as we, as we just conclude and on this, that this beautiful gift is something that God has given us to bring glory to him as we foretell. It's a beautiful gift that God has given to us to, to edify, to encourage, and to comfort one another. But the gift comes from each one of us, our relationship with God, where we spend time with Him, where we listen to Him, 
And not just to speak something or say something, but we get to know him better. And it's in that that we can see this beautiful gift become such a natural, supernatural thing. For instance, if you have a friend this week who has a birthday or relative or somebody in your house or whatever, why don't you just ask this simple question? God, this morning, it's their birthday today. Is there something in your heart for them that I can encourage them with? Not a directional, not a correctional word, but just an encouraging word. That is how we live. We are part of that all group of people that just constantly live with a desire to encourage one another. We are saved from, we are saved for. This is a very practical thing. There are there's so many things that we can still cover in terms of how to test prophecy. And I've given you some notes on that that you can read through uh, when these things come to you. How to grow in a prophetic is, is another thing to just consider. And I don't want to go through that. But just final thoughts on prophecy as I conclude. I want to start, I want to suggest to you that you start by simply asking God to help you encourage another person. Let it become a lifestyle. Not just, God, I want the gift of prophecy, but God, help me just to encourage. And through that, you'll see how this becomes actually such a simple way of being amongst people. Ask the question, for instance, when you think of somebody else, what are your thoughts for that person? How can I encourage that person? How does God want to use that person? Not just ask about how God wants to use you. What does it mean to, for instance, parents? Oh, this is a simple, practical thing. Often pray for your children and ask God, what is it that he wants to say to them and speak it over them? Ask God the question, God, what will help this person in their current condition? And share encouragement to them. Don't become informational. Just say, oh, I think you should do and should they do that and directional stuff. Just share encouragement. Being too specific is often not helpful. We talk about the um, HMD approach. You know what the HMD approach is? It's the hatch, match, and dispatch information that we think we can share with people. Oh, you're going to have another child. Oh, I know who you will marry. Match, hatch, match. Oh, that dispatch is quite a role. Or a rather difficult one to talk about. And, but I actually read it this week in, an, in somebody's article. They said, somebody came to me and gave me a word that my wife will die when my child is born, but the child will be alive, and that's fine. But years later, the wife is still alive, and, and the baby too. It's like, watch out. Let's not become kind of like that. And avoid being directional and becoming correctional and trying to sort people out because the Lord said, what do we now do if somebody comes to you and said, the Lord said you shouldn't? Well, then let's take it to the elders and ask them for their advice too on it. If somebody brings kind of words like that to you. But let's be people equipped by the Spirit of God to let this gift operate in us and through us. We are saved from. We are also saved for. Amen.